There is something that's called La Fofole. Supposedly, these are children that died through some horrific accident to where they're demon-like children, and they appear in the shape of lights that try to get you to follow them so you'll be lost forever in the swamps. Yeah, when you hear, like, scraping claws underneath the bed and it moves and... Uh... You can, I was so terrified, dude. I pulled the blanket over my head. I could hear whatever it was breathing outside the sheet. When I was a little bit after there, we got into a car accident, hit a moose. My mom ended up under the steering wheel of the car. She had a big hand-shaped bruise on her shoulder. It was like somebody pushed her underneath the steering wheel. My mom should have gotten decapitated. The weird part was we hit a moose and we had a moose hanging from the rear view mirror. The only other thing that I could think of would be a bear, but there's no bears in that area either. It's just not the right habitat for them. And when you see that a bear, a bear's gonna move. It's gonna take off for the most part. And this thing just shot and did nothing. This material world that you're told is bound by science and everything else, obviously, obviously science and physics are very important. There is so much more out there that is left to study, that is left to learn about. Hello and welcome. You're listening to Investigation Cryptoparology. Sit back, get relaxed, and crack open your favorite cold beverage as we dive deep into the abyss of what we were told couldn't possibly exist. Folks, check out Polky's Acrylic Art LLC out of Shriver, Louisiana. Mr. Polky is an interpretationist painter, meaning whatever you would want him to paint, it would be done per his interpretation of the piece. His work speaks for itself, and you can see examples of his work on our website at www.investigation-cryptoparaology.com Just tap or click on the Sponsors tab. If you would like to get in touch with Mr. Polky, you may do so by either emailing him at tpolky at yahoo.com That's T-P-O-L-K-E-Y at yahoo.com or by call or text at 1-985-227-3037 And if no one answers, just leave a voicemail or send a text. Prices depend on size and depth of piece. Hello and welcome to Investigation Cryptoparology. I'm your host, Will Francis. Tonight on Investigation Cryptoparology, we're going to have Liz Law back from uh, here in Idaho. And also uh, Troy Polkey from the great state of Louisiana. Welcome. Thanks for yep. having Louisiana, me Louisiana, where you can chew your air because the humidity is 115%. <laughs> this sounds the exact opposite of here. I walk outside today and I can just feel every drop of moisture escaping my body. It's like, no, it's so dry. So yeah, this, is, this is the complete opposite because when I went to Utah, it took me about a week to get used to it. And I had vertigo so bad because all the fluid that was in my ears was drying up. Oh, my gosh. I didn't know that that was a thing. Yeah, that's a thing. It's, it's the same thing like with elevation sickness. If you change elevations to where you go from a low elevation to an extremely high one, 
you get elevation sickness and it just throws your whole system off. Yeah, that one I knew about. Like we we live out here in the mountains, you know. And if you travel to Montana, Colorado, since you you hear about that one a lot, but I did not know that uh, you could get vertigo just from it being arid if you're not used to it. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, it's yeah. possible. So Liz, you said you had some things that you wanted to tell us. Well, it was a it was a story that we were talking about, and this one actually took a lot of years before it made sense as to what happened. But um, once it came together, it came together really fast. So um, there's a little piece here that I think maybe I've shared before, but it's just a part of it. And so I'll, I'll tell you about the first time that I tried astral projection. And then now I think I was 18, maybe 17, 18. And then now at 38 years old, the what happened with that finally made sense to me. Um, so I had been looking at astral projection. I mean, this is this is a while ago and, and there weren't a lot of lot of resources for it, but you could find some stuff online and you know, I was kind of interested in that stuff anyway. And I wanted to I wanted to try it, but I was very, very scared of the idea of coming out of my body because I did not know if that would leave me vulnerable for something else to come in. And so while I was trying this, I think I just was so fearful, but so curious too, that I really wanted to, to try to come out of my body. I was laying on the bed and meditating and doing the things you're supposed to do to, you know, leave your body and be able to walk around and all of that stuff. And uh, I think I got startled but I like, I hit the bed really hard. Like when you do, when you're going to sleep and you feel like you're falling out of the tree or whatever, you kind of, ah, and jerk. Um, so that, that brought me back to full awareness and I rolled over and I looked to my side and there was somebody in the bed next to me and it, he looked like a corpse. Like he looked like he had been just badly, badly burned everywhere. And, uh, it's, uh, definitely startled me, but it, I mean, it looked me right in the eyes and then it disappeared. So that I didn't try again for a long time. Um, but then last fall, my uh, Mike and I uh, went to New York for a wedding. Okay. And we had two flights that we had to get on. And the first one was from Salt Lake to Chicago. So we get on our first flight and it's a Southwest flight. And, you know, you, you don't get to pick your seat beforehand. So you just Ooh, sit wherever it's left. That's a long left. flight on Southwest. Holy yeah. crap. <laughs> well, that's why, we, that's why we did two. That's why we split it up. So there's a layover in the middle. Like, you don't go all the way. I can I can tolerate about four hours on a Southwest, Southwest flight, but no more than that. Um, so, yeah, we went from Salt Lake to Chicago. And we get on the plane and I'm sitting in between two people that I don't know, um, which is fine. And we get going, get up in the air. And all of a sudden, I start having this very, very immersive vision. Like everything on the plane disappeared in front of me, except I had some vague awareness that my body was touching my chair. Like I, I was vaguely aware that, so I was able to hold myself together enough to go, okay, don't freak out. Don't freak out. Like you're, you're on a plane and you start freaking out and they're, they're definitely going <laughs> to not let you continue. And that will be a problem. Um, but while I was having this vision, um, it, it was like being fully immersed. Like I was aware of what was happening and I was in a cockpit, but it wasn't the cockpit. Like as it was on the plane that we were on, it was much older. And I was, I was standing in this cockpit and 
I'm looking down and I could see my hands that weren't my hands now, um, but <laughs> things were on fire. This plane was going down and I knew, I knew a hundred percent that it was my fault. Like I had messed up and this plane was going down. And uh, so I'm, I'm sitting on the Southwest flight between two strangers and experiencing all of this. And I'm just, you know, trying to keep it together. I'm just, okay, breathe, 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 breathe. And finally, like everything kind of materialized back. And I was, I was fully back to sitting in my seat. And it was a little freaked out. Like I, I just stayed in my seat <laughs> and just tried to calm down until we finally landed in Chicago. And it was so overwhelming. And so we, we get off the plane and I finally like, okay, I got a little space. I got a little space. And Mike and I walked around the airport for a little bit and then we sat down and, and we had like two hours before the next flight that we had to get on. So this is the first flight. And then I had to get on another plane after this. Um, <laughs> Bless <laughs> you. So we sat down and I told him what happened. I'm like, you know, this is, this is what I saw. And it was just just so I, I rarely had that experience where I felt like I was almost completely in that situation. Um, and we, uh, it was finally time for us to go get on our, on our other flight. And I had just talking to him about it and stuff. I had really calmed down a lot. And so we go to get on our other flight, which was way more pleasant because for one, we had a whole row to ourselves, which never happens. <laughs> never get that anywhere. I'm like, okay. I feel oh, like that I'm, was love. I, I feel it. Yeah, I felt like I was getting rewarded. <laughs> Just like, it's okay, girl, we got you. Um, but then something really funny happened. And the captain of that plane came out and, and he actually came out to make the announcements, which they do sometimes, but not all the time. And he said, Oh, I have a couple of very special announcements to make today. And he started explaining everything that you have to go through to be a commercial airline pilot. Like, it's not like you just show up for your eight week class and, and then you can fly people around. No, you have to put in thousands of hours of flying freight and cargo before they ever let you transport people from one side of the country to the other, you know? And so he's, he's going through this, this whole process and he's explaining and he said, and tonight I just, want to congratulate our brand new captain this is his first flight as a captain of a commercial Ooh. airliner <laughs> right so i'm sitting here watching i'm like what the heck um and then he said and one of our flight attendants it's her birthday today and so everybody applauded and and stuff for both of those things and um so yeah this brand new pilot was taking our flight into Baltimore and you know honestly it was probably the best flight I've been on for a long time um it was it was a great takeoff landing everything was perfectly smooth and I felt much better um and then and so Mike and I talked about it after we we got off of that flight too and I think I and I just looked at him and I'm like I think you know there there's definitely a message in that for me and so I started thinking more about it and and there were other things that happened like we kept seeing pilot wings everywhere like we've been on a mission to go to steak and shake for I don't know how many years but we had never been able like all the places we've gone we always missed going to steak and shake and he's like you have to try it it's so good well we finally went and do you know what the steak and shake logo is wings 
wings. Yes, <laughs> it's wings. And so, and there was just, that happened over and over. We, we uh, went to go buy a beer and they had this special beer that's a local favorite and the logo was Pilot Wings. And it was just, a, it was kind of a lot um, actually, but. That can be I, a lot to absorb when you're new to this. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was absolutely so much. And then I was, uh, but as I started thinking about it more, it finally made sense to me that first initial experience with astral traveling and whatever that spirit was, because it just felt like guilt. It just like, I have really had a problem. um, Well, I did for a long time being in front of people, trying new things because I didn't want to fail. And it was very easy for me to feel like if something went wrong, it was my fault, whether I was involved or not. And so I actually think what had happened is this was a spirit attachment that I had that either it got attached to me when I was trying to astral project because like I was afraid of what might happen. And so the first, the first time you did it, that spirit was trying to send you a message of yeah. what happened to it. The second time when you were on the plane, that type of astral projection is actually called transference. Okay. You were inside that spirit's body at that past time where he was showing you exactly what happened. Oh my gosh. So and this is the reason why I have Troy on. So I would love for you to tell me, like, I think I know what the, what the second part was then, but I would love for your thoughts about that second part about, you know, we have a brand new pilot here and, and all of that. Basically those two events were kind of unrelated. He wasn't trying to scare you. What it is is that he was trying to show you in your life what it really feels like when you know something went wrong that's your fault and what can happen as opposed to, well, I think it's my fault. Right. Okay. Okay. And his attachment to you was another way of saying that how sorry he felt that whatever happened to him happened. It was kind of like a relief for him because in those last moments, he had no one to say that to. Because as the plane was going down, I bet my bottom dollar that the radio transmissions were cut off. Probably. I mean, like from what I saw, there was there was a lot of things that didn't look like they'd work very well anymore. So so he was basically confessing to you as a kindred spirit because his personality was probably very similar to yours. Because sometimes spirits will do that. Right. And they get attached in that way. So I actually, I had a little theory about that second part of that story too. Um, is I think that there was some redemption for him too. Because as we heal ourselves and we get over the things that, you know, we have to work on, get over our own blocks and everything, we help other people release that stuff too. But I think it might just extend beyond being there to help other people in, in this life. Like maybe you actually free up some of the karma of these spirits too. And then they're able to move on and then they're able to, to yeah, be it's, redeemed it's all, and transcend. Yeah, it's, all part, it's all part of that process. So because he, his guilt probably kept him attached partially to this plane of existence rather than going home as it's called. Yeah, I, I think I think that's exactly it. I'm so glad you're here. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, I know a lot about it because, um, and I had told Will this, and I had mentioned it on some other podcasts. My mom and my grandmother and my great-grandmother on down the line apparently were witches. Like real, honest-to-God, magic-throwing witches. This stuff is real. It's not that people want to say, oh, man, that's me. But no. Now, it's not like in Harry Potter where you got to mumble spells and you throw them and you see lights and flat. No. There's an artifact that my sister has locked up in a safety deposit box. My mom called it a rosary. It's not like any rosary I had ever seen before, so I did some research on it. It was a medallion that had some symbols on it that had little wires that came down and beads on the wires. And there's a certain prayer that you say to it that calls down the sisters. Mm. And they grant you whatever. My great-grandmother hated her husband going out to the ballrooms. He was going out one night, and he's like, I'm going. I'd rather you not. We need that money. Well, I'm going anyway. She said a prayer on those beads after he had walked out the door. Five minutes later, he comes in. You know what? No, I need to go lay down. I got a headache. (laughs) So, Hmm. yeah, this kind of stuff, I mean, it's real. People don't believe like in the spirit world or the astral plane or whatever it is that you want to call it. Okay, it's just another plane of existence. But it's real. Now, I don't know if I had told Will what I'm about to tell you, but my nephew, right now he's in his 30s. This happened when he was four. My sister and her husband were in New Orleans, and they had their oldest child with him, and he's the second child. And he goes, I know where we at. I used to work in that office building, and he pointed to the office building. No, you yeah, I swear, I did. They parked. Well, come show us. He described the inside of that building to it. He took him upstairs, pointed to an office that was shut down for, God knows, probably about 100 years or so. That's where I used to work. How can a four-year-old know his way inside of a building in New Orleans that he had never been to ever? Well, yeah. Right, and that's some amazing knowledge that he pulled out from whatever he experienced before, or that transference. Well, the whole thing is, and a lot of people don't know this, okay? There is a pre-existence. Then we come in on what I call Act 2. This is us now. And then there's Act 3, and then so forth and so on as the journey progresses. We don't remember Act 1. Babies are closer to remembering act one than we are because they're coming from that pre-existence. I think all this goo goo gaga and you think they're mumbling nonsense. A lot of times it's not. It's their own language. I think, too, we're at a point where consciousness is developing that there are a lot of us that are remembering um experiences in different planes and you know maybe different life experiences that we've had or just connecting a lot more yeah, with, with just, those other spirits here's what it depends on it depends on what the hindi people call your third eye 
or whatever you want to call it, but it's an awareness. If you can let go of what you have been taught was real and realize that there's way more to everything than anything that you could ever see, then it opens you up more. Let me give you an example. You ever read Plato's Republic? Mm, probably in way back yeah way okay. back yeah the matrix show the original one was based off of plato's republic and the, plato the, the stated, allegory of the cave yeah plato stated that everything this is a simplified version of it very simplified everything we see this is the shadow of what things really are the chair you're sitting in, that's not the real chair. That's a shadow of what an ideal chair would be in actual real existence. Well, no, that's got to be true because this chair is hard as hell. <laughs> it's just an uncomfortable manifestation of the ideal chair. It was a good try, yeah. but nah. <laughs> so, but... And, you know, and I mean, I have my own religious beliefs and things like that, but I also know that the more that I learn, the more I realize that I don't know. And that, well, that's that's the bottom line to it. There is so much more to explore and, and try to wrap my brain around than what I can even imagine. Well, let me let me show you something or tell you something. I don't know if I can totally show you. Um, and then you tell me what you think about it, but I'll tell you what I think about it, too. So I have a chalkboard on my front door and we just write little messages on it. And I uh, one day I put a, a symbol of the like the triple spiral, like the Celtic triple spiral for life and yeah. creation and stuff so i put that on there about a month ago and then friday night um we were just out doing karaoke hanging out and i met this girl and we had a conversation and she gave me this ring that has a triple spiral that looks <laughs> just like that symbol that i put on my yeah. door so and this is not the first time that something has like manifested in the physical for me and so, right. I, you know, of course, then I put the symbol for wealth on that door. I'm like, all right, <laughs> we're going to try this yeah. one and see how it goes. Well, it, basically, um, it's a spiritual connection. Okay. What, what a lot of people don't know is that all of us were in free existence. We knew each other. We chose to come down. And that's what a lot of people do either don't believe or can't wrap their head around. Well, well, why would I choose that? We had a whole lot more knowledge in pre-existence than we do now. We were sent to experience whatever it is that we are experiencing for a reason. So everyone has a certain connection, whether they want to realize it or not. And it's just that some connections manifest more strongly than others, like with your spiral, like with that pilot, like seeing the wings everywhere. I'll give you another example of, a cousin of mine, his name was Steve, Steve Panui. He, he uh, lived in New Orleans. He was a cop for a long time. He died of brain cancer. His nickname was Jopey because we have weird nicknames down here. Ain't that the truth? <laughs> the day or the, yeah, the day he died because he died in the morning, a whole bunch of clouds formed in the sky in the shape of a J. Oh, 
So awesome. And that's not a coincidence because that's not the first time that I've seen things like that happen. My dad, um, when he was younger, and this was after he had married my mom, this was before I was born, but he told us the story. He woke up one night and he could have sworn that he saw his brother sitting on the edge of his bed and just looking at him and just shaking his head. And that morning he got the phone call that his brother had been in a head on collision and died. Mm. That another car had crossed the lane. So, you know, I mean, things and he's not the only one that has experienced that. I've heard dozens of people experiencing different things like this. You know, so so, yeah, I mean, another plane of existence is there. How thin that veil is depends on our awareness to what's going on. Now, there are some things that are good and there are some things that you don't even want to touch or think about. So, you know, that that's where it's got to be careful because. Which door you open, it it, it can be bad. (laughs) Yeah, one of the other um, things that we were talking about here, uh, one of the other times I was on was about shadow entities and the hat man and stuff. And like I have I have at this point had interactions with a lot of different entities and like you always have to be aware that everything out there eats something. And so if if you can keep yourself from uh, being prey for those things by becoming aware and centered and aligning yourself not giving into fear not giving into guilt like you you live in truth and and you just keep working on yourself and you follow that spiritual path and those those things that are lower level can't even really touch you like they can't they can't do anything but but as you progress through this you're gonna have to learn how to set up protective wards about yourself right and and just to know how to deal with them and and um actually there was another story too that um i wanted to ask you about as you were talking about transference and stuff so uh my house is 103 years old and so there's there have been a lot of different people that have lived in this place right and they have all done different things and when i first moved in here there were some blue irises that were planted in a flower bed up front but then over the years i've done different things and like i just kind of let them go like they're they're not there anymore and we were um cutting down a tree or something but we we limbed a bunch of the branches so we could use them for firewood and then we just left them stacked up and i hated it like it didn't look good but also we had a lot going on so i'm like it's fine i'll get to it later and uh i finally decided one day that i was gonna go clean up that pile of sticks and when i went out to clean them up there were all these spiders in them of course like so many all kind of critters all kinds yeah. of critters but most of them were like hobo spiders which i absolutely hate but if you leave piles of sticks out around here you're gonna have them in there um but i finally got all the wood cleared out and stuff and that night when i, I was i was just here alone i think mike was working um the dogs heard it too because they freaked out something was banging on my front door like kept pulling on the door and banging and i'm like nope you're not coming in and so i set up the ward set up the white light and like filled everything with white light and whatever and it kept doing it for a little while but it did eventually go away like i got up and looked and there was nothing that i could physically and make sure there. you have some sage and white candles yeah i use palo santo and that kind of stuff to to cleanse so i do but i'm talking about actual actual fresh sage and just yeah. plain white candles yeah 
Um, but once that cleared out and stuff, I decided a few nights later that and it hadn't come back, but I did want to know what this thing was. And so I was asking my guides what this was. And this old woman actually showed up and it was the woman that used to live here. And she was the one that planted the irises. And she was, she was so upset that her flower bed, like she really loved those. That she it went so, to heck. <laughs> that, yeah, that it had gone, gone to crap that she actually kind of manifested as this like angry sort of thing and an angry spirit yeah an angry spirit and so um i i told her and and i found him today i was at walmart today picking up some stuff for work and i happened to look over and there was a flower bulb stand and i couldn't even see what kind because the back of it was to me and i was like today's the day and i just reached my hand out i didn't even really look and pulled one out sure enough it was blue irises and i'm like okay i guess i will uh plant some more of those for her because that's what I told her is like I will plant you some more blue irises just quit knocking on my door in the middle of the night mm. so I have them now <laughs> I'll figure out when the best time to plant them is but that's kind of how I deal with a lot of these things like they usually do have a message for me um, I'm not out to you know build whatever and, and it is sometimes it's build, like that but... to where to where their connection to this plane that they haven't they haven't let it go Right. And that's where the problem is for them because they haven't, right. they, they just, they just haven't let it go for whatever the reason is. So. Well, I mean, but, I love this house too, and I'm sure she did as well. And it's not, it's like an agreeable thing to me. Yes. I also wanted to plant flowers. My grandma had blue irises. Yes. This is an agreeable thing. But again, on that note, you also want to be careful with just doing whatever they tell you they want to, you want you to do. Because yeah, because you definitely don't want to start having thoughts of yeah, I'm gonna skin a cat and wear it like a hat. Yeah, no, right, right. But sometimes <laughs> they want you to do things to Meow. connect them to this physical plane. So <laughs> that's not always a great idea. No. Now y'all were yeah. talking. Y'all were talking earlier um, about um, you know family members and whatnot seeing other family members and then finding out they were dead. And I'm sitting here. Th I was just sitting here thinking, have I ever seen that? And a thought came to my mind uh, before me and Danielle got together. My, my son, uh, he's, he wasn't the youngest or the oldest because my son and daughter were uh, twins. They were the same age. But my son was killed in a car accident. Uh, he was in a car with his friend and his friend's mom and dad. They were going to Paramount's Carowinds in, in uh, North Carolina in Charlotte. Well, just outside of Charlotte. And a guy in a semi-truck who was drunk off his ass fell asleep or passed out or whatever crossed into the median came back up and hit him head on mm. his friend actually survived but my son who's, who's i could never get through his mother's head to make him wear his seat belt was thrown from the back seat into the front windshield not head on i mean he it was like somebody just picked him up and laid him on the dash in between the windshield and the, and the dash but uh I remember being in the apartment out here with my ex and her daughter, which I had raised since she was like one and a half years old. So my daughter was running around and running from the bedroom to the living room, to the kitchen, back and forth. And I swear to God, out of the corner of my eye, I saw a, a, a boy with a, a shaggy bowl cut hair, which is the way my, the way uh, his mother always cut his hair and his grandmother was doing the same thing run from my stepdad's bedroom behind me out you know through the front door which was 
kind of freaked me out. But through the front door, and I got up and I opened the uh, well, not the front door, but the door to the stair the stairwell in the apartment. So I, I get up, open the door, and I I watch a shadow go down the stairs. So I look out the front, and I looked out the, the uh, in in front of the apartment, and I heard screeching tires and what I thought was a crash. So I ran outside to see what was going on. Nothing, nothing nowhere, nothing up the street, nothing down the street, nothing on the street behind the apartments. And then his grandmother said that she couldn't find my phone number, but she emailed me later that night to let me know that he was killed in the head on collision. Hmm. So that's kind of, uh, that's kind of mind jarring to, you know, to, to find out that that was my son telling me, you know, this happened. Well, yep. to know he's still connected to you a little bit too. Like, hey, Dad, I want to make sure you're okay. I mean, that was <clears throat> almost 15 years ago, but I guess the mind remembers what the mind remembers, and mine doesn't well, remember very much. <laughs> well, what the thing is, is like I was saying, like as far as like with pre-existence, like whenever you meet somebody and you go, man, it seems like I know that person. Yeah, because you used to. You're feeling that connection that used to be there. I I can tell you one thing. I, I think I've told Troy about this, but I'm not sure. I may have actually told Josh. But uh, I had dreams for a long, long, long time. of, uh, And this was back way back before the movie Gladiator was ever made. You know, the one with Russell Crowe. That I was in the... Uh, what was it? The uh, Spanish Legion, right? And I was a high-ranking officer. And, you know, and then I went to, I, I forget who it was. It was somebody else that that did a reading before you did your, uh, yours on the list that, uh, that, that told me, and basically, because I didn't tell them, but they told me, you know, and basically confirmed that I was a high-ranking officer in the Spanish Legion. And the Spanish Legion, what people don't know, the, the actual soldiers of the Spanish Legion is what the Roman Empire used as their soldiers. Yeah, because yeah, they did hire some mercenaries. So, you know, that kind of, you know, sort of explains a lot about me, I guess, because I have no fear. If there's a, you know, a 20-man brawl going on, I'll go in and I'll walk right into the middle of it. Find that you know the, the the two big guys that started it, grab them by the necks of their necks and haul them out. So I have no fear whatsoever of anything. I know for a <laughs> fact that there is a demonic entity here in the park where I live, and it hangs out in the back lot. Because every time I go down, well, every time I would go down, I haven't gone down at night for a while. But every time I would go down to the uh, to raise uh, Danielle's dad's RV to get something out of it to put something in it. You could hear on the on the gravel. There's nobody else around, right? But you could hear hooves on gravel. Mm. And I just walked right out in the middle of the lot one night, and I, you know, I said it loud enough—not loud enough to, to freak the you know the, the neighbors out that live around the lot—but I said it loud enough for it to hear me. I said, "You can do whatever you want to do. You don't frighten me. Have you not noticed? I don't run from the car to the RV. I walk very slowly, because here's the thing: if you touch me." I will turn you inside out. And you can always hear, I can always hear it walking around. And then when I get inside the RV, I can hear something rubbing up against the RV. And I'm like, 
dude, please give me a reason. <laughs> it's like, stop touching my car. <laughs> but well, it's you know, not that. It's that those entities they they prey on fear, and that's exactly what it is. They just they 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 like creating fear. Yeah, but you can't scare me. That's just the thing. I mean. I say that I'm afraid of spiders, but I'm not really afraid of spiders. I just don't want to get bit by a hobo, right? Well, the whole thing is also is that you just you don't like them. That's yeah, all. I, it is. I, yeah, I just don't like them. I don't want to get bit by a hobo. I've seen the, the damage that the uh, toxins and their bite can do. I don't want to get bit by one. So they kind of freak me out. But as, as far as being afraid of an animal or a human, like I used to say all the time, I am not afraid of any man, woman, child, or beast on this on this earth period from this earth or beyond this earth i just i'm not wired that way i'm not wired for fear now what i what i would also and i advise everybody this if you've never checked out your genealogy (coughs) it can uncover some very interesting facts because i've traced mine way back into the bcs and part of my family line on my mom's side goes all the way back to Joseph of Arimathea on my dad's side to Attila the Hun. Well, that explains you. <laughs> yeah, my, uh, my dad's very into genealogy, and so we have we have a lot that we've kind of unearthed. And uh, Vlad the Impaler is in my family line. Uh, the, the noble woman that became known as Lady Godiva, she had a different name. She's in my family line. And I started looking into uh, epigenetics and generational curses, which epigenetics is basically you have all this dormant DNA that will never activate the code for proteins until it's challenged or stressed. And so you could do that voluntarily or you can just when life happens to you, it's going to it's going to activate. Yeah, it's going to kick in. Right. So looking at the genealogy, I started thinking about that. I'm like, okay, so if these things are in my family and these are genetics that are carried down, what can I learn from this? And like with uh, with the one with Lady Godiva, I'm like, okay, well, you know, obviously she was courageous. The reason that she got on that horse and rode it naked through the town was because her husband was unfairly taxing the citizens in their village and it was becoming a burden on him and she had tried to get him to stop and he wouldn't. And so she went and did this to like call attention to it and be like, sir, you better listen to me because these people here respect me and they don't respect you. And so, and so that's why she did it. Um, but I started taking really good care of my hair because it's like, okay, I want to honor her and, and that legacy. <laughs> and with Vlad the Impaler, I'm like, man, he was really good at setting boundaries. I would like to get better at setting boundaries for people when they cross the yeah, line. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so, you know, even, even the real questionable characters, there's something you can learn from them that, you know, is maybe a talent you need to develop. Well, I'll, um, so, so, uh, Troy's like, uh, you know, he's got Attila the Hun. You've got Vlad the Impaler and Lady Godiva. I don't tell very many people this because they kind of look at me strange. Okay, I am a full-blooded Cherokee. I am from the reservation. and But at some point, when the, the last time I did a family tree or, or genealogy and things, Adolf Hitler popped up in my uh, genealogy. And I'm thinking that maybe he married into or you know, not, not him, but, you know, say his mom or his dad or s- somebody right. in his bloodline married into 
you know, my family. And I'm like, wait a minute. So uh, I was relatives with Adolf Hitler. <laughs> well, that, that, that would definitely, definitely explain, you know, the uh, thoughts that I've had from time to time. I mean, I like everybody. I get along with everybody. I mean, that's evident, but, and it's, it, and it's not a projection. It's not a mask. It's just who I am. You know, I can, I can talk to a total stranger and start up a conversation and, you know, hour later we're friends drinking a beer or whatever. That's just me. But at the same time, with everything that's going on in the world, and I've been like this since I was little, I had these thoughts since I was little of, you know, calling the population. <laughs> and, you know, you sit and think about it, and that's what Hitler was trying to do. He was trying to call the population. He took it too far. That's yes, he took it way happened. too far, way, way too far. I do agree, and it was horrible. But if if it was done under a different light, and it was done, you know, b- before its time, say, way before it ever he was ever born and started. And I'm not saying, you know, just well, go out it was and, done during those times, like during during the um, ancient times, it was done. Well, with I the know lights with the Romans, with the Greeks. They've but I'm done saying. It. I'm saying that the idea, the ideologies that he had, not getting rid of the Jews and things like that. I mean, I have you know hundreds of hundreds of friends that are Jewish, no big deal. I'm not talking about getting rid of you know just one particular part of humanity. You know, like in ancient times, you know when the population was cold, people are too old, they were you know relieved of life, uh, things like that. And I've had those thoughts for a long time, and I'm like. And then I get to thinking about the whole uh, COVID-19 debacle and the forced vaccinations. And I'm like, hey, uh, uh, I, I think somebody from Hitler's bloodline's about to rear his head because they're doing it again. Everybody who has everybody the thing who got is, COVID, the, everybody the, who the, got But this is what you're going to notice as far as the history of that. OK, if, if, if we look at it. Every time different nations have had a severe increase in population to where resources were stressed, mysteriously, some kind of epidemic popped up that they had no cure for. The uh, bubonic plague, the pneumonic plague. uh, Spanish flu. Yep. You know, so that that that, that's in history. But when, when you go back to like what Liz was talking about with epigenetics, I'm a firm believer in that for one reason. Because I know for a fact that I've got some dormant genetics that came into play several times during my life, which is why I'm still alive. And I'll give you one prime example. After Katrina, I had one of my pine trees that fell. And this was like a hundred foot pine. And I was using my brother-in-law's chainsaw to cut it up. When I was cutting through one of the branches, I didn't realize that it was under tension. Well, this big branch snapped back after I cut through it, caught me on the side of my head and jaw, threw me in the air for about six foot. My daughter heard the lick inside the house, and I got up and was just angry. Not knocked out, not dizzy, not nauseated, just angry. And I stayed with a headache for about two weeks. I finally went to the doctor and the doctor said, yeah, you probably had a concussion. You should have come in at that time. But apparently you're okay." Man, you got pretty lucky. 
Well, your genetics kicked in and, and uh, saved your life another time, too, Troy. Oh, yeah. Several times. You go ahead and tell that one. No, I was uh, I was just talking about uh, he, he had he had cancer several years ago, right? And he shouldn't have survived it. I mean, literally 100% should not have survived it. But he's here today, alive and well. With no chemo. They removed a foot and a half of my colon. Oh, my gosh. Yep. And they tested my lymph nodes, no trace of cancer. How long ago was that? About four or five years ago, give or take. And you'd never know it. I don't have high blood pressure. I don't have high cholesterol. My arteries are not clogged. I have a demon in my legs, and they have no clue why. I can tell you why right now. It's all that time you sat behind a computer playing games. <laughs> I don't spend all my time playing games. I do get up, walk around, work out, and things like that. And as a teacher, I'm on my feet all day long. Well, that could be but, a reason, uh, too. But yeah. Yeah. But I mean, they put me on, they did a stress test on me. And this is hilarious because I mean, I'm a big fella. I'm right at 300. And they put me on this treadmill and they're telling me, okay, let's see if we can get your heart rate up. Now, I'm jogging on this treadmill and my heart rate ain't moving up at all. <laughs> and they had me go a mile and a half. And I'm like, can, can I get off now? Because I mean, I don't like running and not going anywhere. <laughs> and they're like we've never seen this before they did cross sections of my heart i have no reflux in any of my arteries no reflux in any of the veins in my legs they checked it they actually found no actual probable cause for the edema in my legs none some people just retain water I, that's all it is yeah might be one of those things I have noticed. I definitely have to be more active than I was if I don't want a little edema in my legs too. I gotta gotta get up and move and move and move. Well, I mean, when I when I do my workouts and I, and I was doing my leg presses and things like that, I mean, I'm working out with four or five hundred pounds, and I'm a fifty six oh, year old man. So it's not like I'm not active. It's just they, they literally they they cannot find a reason for it. They don't know. Maybe no. being 56. <laughs> That's the now, reason. That's got to be it. I'm, when I say this word, I don't mean any offense. And and, and, the, and the listeners, if you don't understand what this word means, look it up. I'm not being derogatory. I'm not, you know, it's not profanity. But the, the actual word for Troy, being as strong as he is and being able to lift so much and, you know, being in the shape he is, even at 56, it's an old word. It's called cockstrong. Yep. It's in my bloodline because also we go back to the Vikings, the Norsemen on my dad's side. So on my dad's dad's side, it goes back to the Vikings. On my dad's mom's side, it goes back to the Huns in China. So if the Vikings ever came back around, we could start calling you Nostradamus, right? Pretty much. Okay. <laughs> So speaking of, of bloodlines and stuff, like I had mentioned, generational curses, is that something that you've looked into very much? Um, yeah, and there's ways to break it. Yes. So because my mom found all of that stuff out and whatnot, being 
of a line of witches. Yeah. I, uh, so I had a, I had a lady that helped me break one and, um, it went, I went to, so the way it started is I had a knot like in my lower back, kind of in my hip, almost by my tailbone. And I could not get this thing to work out. Like I was stretching using heat and ice and doing yoga. And it and wouldn't do anything. And it, it was would pinching not. your nerves. It was uh, called it was, the numbness and tingling. It was causing pain. It was terrible. Mm-hmm. And uh, so I went to, I saw this post that somebody was doing an energy healing, like class get together thing. And I'm like, okay, I'm going. Um, so I went to this class and she started doing this healing for me and she said oh this one this one is a generational one and and let's see where it's from and she starts counting let's see one is it your dad no it's further back but it's on your dad's side and she just kept she kept counting and she got like eight generations back and she said that's where it is and and it's a woman and she's got long hair and oh she wasn't allowed to be who she was like she she got punished for being who she was and she just couldn't and everything and as she's talking and because of what she said I was like I know exactly who that is and so she did this clearing she did this healing for me and uh after about 45 minutes or so the knot actually did go away it finally released and then I told her when we were done with that class and I'm like okay so my uh I know who you were talking about I know who that is my eighth great grandmother was hanged for witchcraft at Salem um her name was Rebecca Nurse and she was on my dad's side. That's who she comes from. And so she got all of this information like spot on. And she did not know me before this. She did not yep. know this story or anything. But it was something that caused like my family is very reserved and conflict is a difficult thing for them to deal with. And one of the things that I've had to do is learn to stand up to conflict and resolve it. Like that's that's yep. been one of my roles. And um so yeah, like she did this healing for me. It released very much in my family that fear of being who you are, that fear of standing out and stepping up has been very present. But I was telling Will, and I probably said it on here too, like I have to do my work that I am here to do is meant to be done publicly. It's meant yep. to be done on stages. Yep. And and so this is is something that I very much have to be comfortable being who I am. And so that is something I had to break, but I did need help with it. Now, you see, you guys call them, call, call it healers. Down here with the Cajun people it was called traiteur, treaters. Mm, okay. And it was tied in with prayers as well as energy healing. My grandmother and my grandfather both practiced that. And their parents and on down the line. So. Yeah, I'm very familiar with that kind of stuff. Well, and I would love to know more about that. And like, I know that a lot of people keep it sacred, you know, meaning you don't just tell everybody. They they didn't teach me. I caught on to some of it and and it it does have its roots in prayers. But the general gist of it is not so much the prayers as much as you allowing energy from your body to heal someone else. It's like an energy transference. You don't even have to know the background behind it. It sounds a little bit like I do Reiki, but that doesn't come from me. It comes through me from source. So it's it's like it's not my own that I'm giving to somebody else, but I let it come through me and then I direct it to them. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's, that, that's one. That's one form that's cool. of it. And the thing is, it can be used for harm or good. Like when we were talking about generational curses, mm-hmm. one of the ones for my family was based on demonology. And we had to find a way to break this because demonic shadowy entities kept trying to attach themselves to us. There was a Ouija board in my mom's attic that belonged to my brother. And my brother, after he got older, he's like, you know what? We need to burn this. So they took it from the attic. They just put it in the trash. You know, we're not going to, we just got to throw it away. It appeared back in the attic. Same one. <laughs> this time they burned it. It appeared back in the attic. Something they brought it back down and my grandma and everybody else was around and they burned it. And I don't know what kind of prayers or anything that she said, but it erupted into blue and black flames. And it never appeared again. Yeah, those talking boards can get some uh, pretty strong attachments. I had I had one that would fall out of my closet, like didn't matter how far back you would put it. Um, but I have I have since burned it like I didn't need it anymore. And so I just let that one go. Um, and by the time this is the warning for anybody that thinks they want to try them too. by the time you actually have enough discernment to know what you're talking about or what you're talking to, you don't need a Ouija board. <laughs> so no, like they're, they're yeah they just very much are made for people that are not prepared to deal with the stuff that might come through they're made yep. for ignorant people to tear a rift allow things into this world that shouldn't be that is correct that's the reason why i always tell everybody i always t- tell the listeners do not buy any type of talking board whether it's called a ouija board or not do not buy it. Do not get it. Do not accept it as a gift. Do not open it. Don't take the plastic off of do it. Do not get tattoos of the symbols. Exactly. <laughs> do not do any of this because you are ripping a hole in the veil. Now, most people have seen Stranger Things and the uh, the brothers who wrote Stranger Things, they had some dabblings and, uh, you know, talking boards and things like that. This is where they, they originally got the idea for this about the upside down and all the demons that are, that are there. They've seen it firsthand. And they're not making it public, but, you know, if, if you want to know information and you dig far enough, you're going to find the information, right? So I did that, and several other people that, that I know did that, and we found out that they've seen this stuff firsthand. It, you know, it doesn't look the way it does in Stranger Things, but there are the, there are those of us who have seen real demons and, you know, eh. It's not really something you want to sit and stare at. I mean, you know, it's, it's just, it is what it is, but, um, no, do not, I I can't stress this enough. You know, I'll, I'll have people on the show that'll talk about these things because they've experienced these things in the past. Do not take that as a, you know, a, somebody's, you know, open the lock and released you to just go do whatever you want to do. I put, I put disclaimers on a lot of my shows, like the uh, like episode three of season one, where I yeah. talked <laughs> talk to Chris, you know, and Chris has been oppressed and is still oppressed. He's not 
it hasn't gotten to the point to where the, the demon the demonic entity is actually wanting to possess him though i'm sure it probably has in the past but he is still oppressed currently oppressed by a demonic entity now he went to the doctor and the, and the uh and doctors and psychiatrists psychologists and all, and all this other good happy shit and they uh diagnosed him as being schizophrenic the boy is not schizophrenic i have three three real friends who are schizophrenic and chris is not one of them and i know chris is not one of them just by the way he acts and the way he talks and the way they act and the way they talk they are certified and they'll say this themselves they are certifiably nuts 24 7 365 days a year chris on the other hand is not he can be you know the nicest gentlest kindest person not seeing anything, not having any very lucid. Yeah, very lucid. And then 15 minutes later, he's the angriest person on the planet and could probably do a lot of damage if anybody would let him. That's Skip. because nobody taught him how to lock that particular entity away. That this is true. And now the other thing is, is when this particular entity, now I'm just going back through my memories and back through, you know, all the, the talks that I've had with him. When he was a kid, one of his mom's boyfriends had a talking board. One of his mom's boyfriends opened a portal in their basement. And in their basement, Chris seen this with his own eyes. He's seen what he called a corn shook, which is a sigh, right? He's seen uh sighs floating through the air and the whole, you know, the, the whole atmosphere of the room was like uh, evil and demonic. And it, and there was a red glow. I have a feeling I know what his dad, uh, his stepdad rather pulled through the portal and then he closed the portal behind it and it's still trapped in that house. Okay. Another thing that he said when, when he was growing up is that his dog had got trapped in this like, no, uh, and it's like two foot by two foot crawl space. As you're going down the stairs, it was just off to the right. Mm -hmm. And I actually used it in my intro for a little while before I changed it. Where he said that, and, and there were just, you know, uh, hundreds, hundreds of these red eyes in the darkness looking back at you. And when he got the dog out, the dog had a metal pin in its leg. The metal pin was chewed through. Not rusted, chewed through. And Chris was like, you know, could could that have been rats? Do do rats' eyes have a a, a, a luminescence behind them no. in the dark? And I'm like, no, rats don't. And and if you hit them with a light, yeah, their their eyes will glow red, but they don't just project their own you know luminescence. And you know, and I'm telling him, I'm like, dude, you're you're not schizophrenic. This is the reason why. Every court appearance you go to, the judge will not award you disability because you're not disabled. The judge, had, and I guarantee you that that judge is probably thinking, this kid's not schizophrenic. He's not faking it, but he's not schizophrenic. There's something else going on. But the thing is, is in Michigan, they're, uh, they're very, very religious. They don't want to open themselves up to there's a possibility that some of our citizens, you know, could be possibly either possessed demonically or oppressed demonically. But then on the other hand, Michigan is a Catholic state. So how is that even possible? But, you know. Something to drink. 
it's just you know it's just weird i mean i've i've actually well so what do you think it is that came through the ball well okay there is an entity and it's been talked about for years and years and years and years and years ghost adventures even had it even said the name on their show and they had somebody doing a talking board session and i know for a fact that this is why what happened to zach happened um zach never had to wear glasses now he does he has a prismatic um i can't think of what it is uh, i doctor tried to tell me that i had it but i don't but uh he has to wear glasses just for you know walking around or, or driving and things when he's just at home he doesn't have to wear them but um the guy's name was darren and they did a talking board session and darren brought zozo through z-o-z-o that's what i thought millions of other people have experienced this way before ghost adventures ever did it on their show when Chris's stepdad did did the, the uh, talk, but I'm thing. I'm thinking that it's not actual that actual one, but rather one pretending to be of his soldiers. Guys. Yeah. Well, the thing is, as Chris said that that uh, at one point in time, out of the corner of his eye when he was little, <sighs> that he actually seen what what appeared to be a twelve foot figure standing in the basement, hunched over because it was so tall. And it had the face of Baphomet, the goat mm-hmm. head. Now, through all the research that, that I've done, Zozo doesn't look like that. But a lot of lower demons. That was will a actually different pre- one. A lot that of lower. A, yeah. yeah. A lot of lower demons will actually pretend to be Zozo. Zozo is actually a high ranking general of hell. He's above Baphomet. He's above Beelzebub. He's, the, he's not coming onto this plane. He's sending right. other things to this plane. Right, right. But uh, the whole thing with uh, Zach Bagans, when he went into the demon house, when his eyesight failed on him, he came in contact with this thing. He had he took it from the many times that they did talking board sessions and the many times that, that they had done talking board sessions with Darren, and it followed him to, to the demon house. What was in the house was not what followed him, but what followed him teamed up and they did a lot of damage to the map. Now, to the listeners, yes, some of Ghost Adventures is scripted, but a lot of it is not. When they come in contact contact it's with a based, demonic it's entity. based on real stuff. Right. When they come in contact with a demonic entity, they're actually coming in contact with it just like you would if you were doing the same thing, which is the reason why my, my disclaimers or own certain uh, episodes. You need to bless your house. You need to bless your family. You, you need to just get a ble- get good blessings out because demonic entities can attach themselves to audio recordings. Yes, and if they any can. and if anything was on Chris at the point in time that we did the recording, anybody else listening to it who is I'm not gonna now this is not derogatory, weak minded or weak willed or not protected, not you know don't believe in certain things. It will attach itself to you. See, that's the thing a lot damage. of people don't understand. Okay, you don't have to believe in it; it believes in you. Yeah, they like to hide in your blind spots, and so if you really don't believe that these are a real thing, well, then you're never going to recognize them if they show up. Um, so I'm, I'm just looking right now. I was looking at the Goetia to see if Zozo was in there. And I'm not finding that, but I am finding some things that people believe are, are similar to that. So what the Goetia is, it's, it's basically a grimoire of demons that King Solomon wrote. 
and and like yeah. it, what he yeah. was doing. But okay. Solomon's Solomon's version, yeah, is limited. Yes, yes, he's only okay. got seventy two listed in there, and then they right. have their it's own, limited. you know, followers and stuff. Right. Um. So, but, but not one, only that, there's one of the other things- very much older texts. And and please, anyone who's going to listen to this podcast, don't go searching for what I'm saying. There are very old grimoires, especially in the Salem Library. And Salem Library has a completely restricted section that not even the librarian is allowed to go in and look at. It has logs of very ancient evil stuff. And it it's it's less or, or more complete. There's also a well, uh, log file at the Vatican, and the name and uh, I actually had a uh, what what was he? He is a priest. Oh God, cardinal is what it is. To actually tell me off the air, you know, and I never really mentioned it on the podcast, but I'll you know I'll mention it now. I'm not going to mention his name. But he actually mentioned it to me, you know, just uh, I think it was through Facebook, Facebook Messenger, or it may actually been through Zoom, but he didn't want me to record it. So I didn't record it. But the name Zozo does pop up in their lists. And it pops up many, many, many times. Yeah, I I believe that. But also, so the reason that I started looking, too, is because I've been researching just a little bit because you know you should understand these things if you yes. have some weaknesses you know if you if you give in to laziness or if you give in to rage or whatever like sometimes it's good i think i have a background in psychology like i think very symbolically i do dream interpretations that kind of stuff so i'm always thinking symbolically when this stuff shows up and so if you have a problem with wrath well then one of the places that i usually start is like well let's go learn about the demon of wrath this archetypal thing and what's it about and one of the things that i've kind of started to discover is there are a multitude of stories that describe a very similar entity like the demon of wrath in this case um, also has a black wolf or a hellhound that accompanies him i just looked at a picture and he's holding something that looks like a scythe and um some some things say that he has the face of a raven and some say that he has the face of an owl um, but there's another entity that I've been looking at recently called the Morrigan, and she is a Celtic deity, and she's basically the goddess of war and death and terror. She's related to the Banshees, um, but she can shapeshift into a black wolf, into a raven. Like, she's very much, she's very similar to this mm-hmm. demon of wrath. And so when you start talking about Zozo, I'm like, I bet there's another one that's very similar to that. Like, they mask they wear these different masks and if you can yeah, they can appear as anything it. that they want yeah That's yeah it, well and the morgan is a shapeshifter too and and so a lot of these demons are as well but yeah um i'm, I'm starting to make those connections and just you guys talking today about that i'm like okay that is a mask for maybe one particular yeah. entity and it appears yeah. in this no that, that's for his friend chris and, uh, you know, the other thing is, and, and Will and I have talked about this extensively in, in different podcasts, 
there are some angels that are not what people think they are. They don't look like what you think. 90% of the angels that, that people talk about do not look the way they're uh, illustrated in, you know, different texts and things. That, that's Yeah, we're not talking about Michelangelo's angels or Botticelli's little cherubs. No. You got to remember that these were soldiers of God. They were not created in his image. They were not created <laughs> just to do good. They were created for war. I have I have seen a few different angels. Archangel Uriel is absolutely terrifying to me. Yep. Just absolutely terrifying. And uh, I stood faced it. Like, he has a very important job. Like, he makes sure the people that get sent to hell serve their punishment, you know, so that they can then get released Francine. or whatever needs yeah. to happen yeah. um but so yeah he should be very intimidating but he doesn't look like a human being at all like he, well, no. he was he was vaguely man-shaped and then there was like an aura or a glow that showed the shape of where his head would be and then the shape of where his body would be but everything else was like a void yeah because that's that, that's his whole thing. He is going to, uh, what was the word? Descend you from the the, the the earth plane into the void. Yeah, yeah, but he is the light in the void because that that the, the light gives him his shape. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So it's it's a completely. It's not like looking at a person or a loved one that's passed on. I actually connect with these very these kinds of entities i see them a lot more easily than i see like recently deceased although i have seen them um but most of the time it's stuff like this it's it's like kind of those different very different levels of vibrational entities right right i mean i've i've had the un unfortunate times to see to actually come face to face with what a demon really looks like and it's horrifying it really is Still, you know, as I said before, I, I still hold no fear because I know what they can do with fear. So I'm, it's not that I was afraid of it, but, you know, you can describe it as being horrifying. And I have come in contact with s some of the soldier angels on the, you know, on the battlefields overseas. And let me tell you, the, the ones that come to get souls, now people talk about the Grim Reaper. That's, that's a made up bullshit story. It really is. It really, really is. There, there's some truth in it about something coming to get you, but it's not the Grim Reaper. Some of these soldier angels that actually come to get souls say, of, uh, on, the on any battlefield or in any type of soldier, they are the gnarliest looking things you would ever imagine to be able to see. I'm talking about, you, you th think about the gnarliest nightmare creature you could ever imagine. So mine would, you know, have a couple of different arms with, you know, gnarly hands uh twisted face and but these are angels i am yeah, their soul 100 these are angels they were created by god to gather souls off the battlefields but off the battlefields of heaven and then when man was created they were repurposed to gather souls off the battlefields of man and people will see people that have near-death experiences will see these things and go Oh, God showed me the, the, the face of a demon. I'm going to repent. No, God showed you the face of who was coming to take you to heaven. You should have let go. <laughs> <laughs> well, sometimes, too, those those demons that show up, they're just telling you what your demons are. 
they're telling you what you need to heal, what you need to get control of, you know, where, what is causing you problems and bringing you out of alignment. And so, like I say, I think about these things very symbolically. So if people have experiences with this stuff, and that's kind of what I do is I start to untangle those things right, right. And, and then help release those spirits. Not, um, not like out in the world, so they're running free, but send them onto the planes where they're supposed to be and release that person right, right. from their influence. But, but because, you know, okay, and I'm going to say this again. Well, I'm, I'm going to say the word listeners again, because I know that there are people listening to this. We're not just recording it and throwing it into uh, in blank space. I know where in the world Oh, you mean you're not are. just throwing it into the void? Right. I'm not just throwing it into the void. You know, people do <laughs> listen to this. I do get emails, Facebook messages, et cetera, et cetera. I get, uh, you know, uh, replies to just about every episode that I release. But, uh, you know, like Liz just said, uh, if you're approached by a demon or you approach a demon and it's basically, you know, telling you what you need to fix in your life. Here is the kicker. Here is the thing that, that religion does not want you to know. Not all demons are bad. Not all angels are good. Okay. And this is, and that this is no bullshit lie. There are demons out there who do not agree with what's, what's going in, going on in the proverbial hell or hell on earth. And they want to change things. They may have been demons for millions of years or lost their soul to the demonic, you know, millions of years ago. And back then it wasn't as bad as it is now. So it's really bad now. And they want to change things. There are angels, on the other hand, who don't want things to be changed and will present themselves as demons to horrify the masses, to keep people going in one direction. Look this up if you want. Don't look it up. It really doesn't make a hill of beans to me either way but it's the truth you can't you can't go oh angels are good demons are bad there is no good and bad there is no good and there, there is no uh good and evil there is only if you're dealing in absolutes then you're wrong <laughs> yeah not everything is black and white right I'm sorry it doesn't right, right. work like that there there was a quote said and it's been changed many many times put into all kind of different movies and games and everything else there is no good. There is no evil. There is no light. There is no dark. There is only power. And power is being abused by both sides. Yep, you're exactly right. Like, we're getting past that idea of duality. And, you know, if you really stick to the idea, like, things are purely black and white, there is a whole lot you can learn from those things that you have judged as dark. There's a whole lot of stuff that you can learn from your shadow here's, here's, that here's, then makes you able to face it. Yeah, here's the deal. You can't have light without dark, and you can't have dark without light. Both have to exist in balance. But they are not in balance right now. We're working no. on it. We're in a <laughs> spiritual war, but we're all working to bring things into balance. I mean, I, I wish the now, average now, he, person... now, here's the thing, you know, and people don't understand this. The reason why spiritual entities, well, some spiritual entities, hate us as humans is because we try to bring a balance between the dark and the light. And they don't want that. Just like there are some people that hate change, the same thing exists in the spiritual. Oh, I can't stand change. I want things to stay the way it was back in the 1400s where life you know, was more simple. Oh, very simple. You 
worked until you died at the ripe old age of 30. <laughs> and that That's was it. it. Well, then I'm uh, a god yeah. because I'm 45. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. You are the village elder. <laughs> <laughs> but no, hey, Will, uh, Will, Will, just 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 move to China, man. You'll be a giant. <laughs> That's not true because there's a lot of tall Chinese people now. Yeah. And, and the reason why genetics are changing like that, if we're going to get into that, is because of the hormones that have now been put into processed food. There's no such thing as purely natural food within the supermarkets unless you're buying vegetables that haven't been tampered with. Oh, I was having this conversation with Josh last night, and it, and, and it made him realize something. Okay, let's think of back when, you know, you were a kid, Troy, and back when, you know, I was younger, and I was you know, growing up with my grandma, gra- grandmother and grandfather. Now, let's use milk, for example, right? Back then, oh my God, I miss real milk. <laughs> back then, I remember my grandfather sending me out to milk cow, or he would, or grandmother would, whoever was around the barn at that time. And he'd bring, and they'd bring it in the house, and they had the the big, you know, either copper or steel milk jugs. They'd put a piece of cheesecloth over that, pour the cow's milk through it, so it strained out, you know, all the goobers and everything that come out of the teeth, whatever, and. But it kept all of its nutrients. It kept, you know, every all the good stuff. It kept the fat. It kept all the stuff that's in it. That, that right. That, yeah. Right. And they would leave that thing sitting on my grandmother's giant dining room table, which was in the kitchen. But they would leave that that you know uh, big container sitting there with no lid on it, just a piece of cheesecloth across to keep flies out of it for, for a week. It, yeah. Well, yeah. For, for a week, and then my grandfather would take it and put it in the ice box. And by God, when I say ice box, I mean ice box. It was a yeah. The top you put the ice block in it. Right. Yeah. Right, the bottom cold. Right. Right. Exactly. Except for my 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 grandmother's. My grandfather had built because he was a fabricator. And he put in a, he made a ice storage on top and bottom so things would stay really, really cold, right? For longer periods of time. But I remember that. And then people say, oh, well, you need to get vitamin D milk, you know, for kid for, for kids when they're a baby if they can't use formula. Or, you know, and then when they get older, you switch no, to the lesser need fat. Real cow's no. milk. <laughs> That's just the thing. That I mean, people were uh taller, you know, back in history. You see pictures and they look short, but they're really not. Look at the buildings and the object objects around them. They were actually taller than they are now. People are a lot shorter now. People and, and I'm not making fun of anybody because I'm because I'm heavy, but people are heavier now because of the foods we eat, because the nutrients that we need aren't in the foods. And then we end up having to take supplements and prescriptions and everything else. Now that leads into something else. That also leads into bottled water, which is something I think needs to go away. They need to quit processing water and taking all the nutrients out because the minerals that are actually in water is what's in the supplements that you take in vitamins. If you, you get water from a real natural aquifer or that's coming off of a mountain that have been filtered by the rocks, that's got the minerals and stuff you need in it. I mean, that's just like, okay, high sea hot springs. You know where high sea is, right, Liz? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I do. Okay. So high sea hot springs. So you go there and you're feeling, you know, down You're, you know, spiritually, everything is just in a slump. And then you get into the, the hot pool, not the warm pool, but the actual hot pool that only holds like what five or six people. And you Something get like out that. of there and you feel great. 
It's because your body was able to absorb minerals and nutrients that you're not getting in what you eat and drink. It's things that the human body needs that somebody, for some reason, somewhere decided, okay, so we're going to pump water out of a reservoir and through a okay. filtration system, okay, well, take everything out of it, and now you're going to have to you've big seen, pharma. You, you've, you've seen the movie The Lorax, right? The, the yeah. new one that they made. I'm not talking about the old Dr. Seuss black and white. Yeah, yeah the, the new Lorax. The new one with the bottle there. Yeah. Okay. There's a quote in that movie that stands true. Put something in a plastic bottle or aluminum can and the public will buy it. I know. <laughs> but, you know, it, it's just, it, it it bothers me. It really bothers me that, you know, where we could be drinking not heavily mineral water because too many minerals will actually shut your system down. But we could be drinking mineral water and eating foods that haven't been cooked to the point of their shoe leather. I mean, restaurants hate me. They really do because I go in and I tell them I want a rare steak and they bring me my steak and I cut into it and I send it back and I'll keep sending it back. And finally, the cook will come out and talk to me. Well, OK, well, if, if I'm not doing it right, then teach me how to cook. And I said, well, OK, I will lead me to the kitchen. I'll show you what to do because food well, not food, but steak, you only have to cook it for 45 seconds on each side to kill the surface born bacteria. There's no bacteria yeah, inside the steak. That is correct. You want all the nutrients. You want all the flavor. Now, a lot of people can't eat a rare steak. I love to be able to taste the steak. So I have told him, basically, just leave the cow through the kitchen, show it the grill, bring it to my plate. <laughs> now, here's another one. Chicken. It's uh, salmonella, right? If you eat raw chicken, you get salmonella, po salmonella poisoning, correct? Yes. That's what we've been told. That is a lie. Uh, here's the thing with chicken. You can put chicken in the oven, in any oven, for five minutes. Just enough for the outside to turn white. The inside can still be pink. Cut into that and you can eat it. It will not hurt you. There is a I guy. I will never do that. <laughs> well, I, I, <laughs> I know can't. The texture. It's because it's well, because texture is awful. Not to. <laughs> no, it's the texture. One time I bit into a chicken nugget that didn't like it. It was apparently not all the way. Okay, in the well, no, no, no. You're talking like about chicken nuggets. That's process. No, no, no. It was like white chicken breast that was breaded. I bought it from the grocery store, ah, not McDonald's. Okay. Okay. But yeah, like one of them was not cooked, and it was like the texture was the most horrific thing. I will never. I don't care if it's safe or not. I will eat rare steak. I will no. not try no. your medium okay. rare. If you chicken. want, if you want to talk about something <laughs> artificial, and a lot of people may not know this. McDonald's fries. I love them. Okay. They're bad for you. Like all get out, but I love them. But did you know you could use them for kindling? They're one molecule off from diesel fuel. Oh yeah. Is that what makes them so delicious? Probably. Yeah. Think about this. <laughs> leave a McDonald's, leave McDonald's fries out. Leave them out overnight. Just on your table. Come back. You won't see bug one on them and they'll be so hard. You could use them as nails. <laughs> That's not a potato. <laughs> but but i was going to mention uh there's a guy that's uh doing tiktok videos now and he has been since tiktok's you know been a thing and uh he goes by the liver king now here's the little thing that a lot of people don't know about him it's not just something he does for tiktok the man's been living the way he lives for the past 20 years he eats everything raw you know beef 
chicken, pork. That's a fish, true paleo diet. <laughs> does not matter, right? He eats everything raw. And the thing is, if anything was going to kill him that could give him the proposed poisonings that we've been taught, that told, not talked about, but we've been told about. Conditioned the, into. Right, conditioned into. He would have died, you know, 10, 15 years ago. Now, Will, I will tell you this. If I'm buying meat at the store, which I most often do, I will cook it till it's cooked. One primary reason. Because I know what processes that meat went through before it got to that store. Oh, Lord. That's the thing. If, if it was coming straight from a form, that's a whole different ballgame. Yeah, gonna... that's true. E. coli will spread in those feedlots. Yep. Like you have a much higher risk of winding up with it on something that came from a feedlot than you do from something that came from a pasture. I'm going to say this, and then I'm going to say something else that Troy's going to laugh at. And you probably will too, but I'm going to say this. There was something that was floating around the internet. It was a newspaper clipping way before Facebook, way before, you know, MySpace, Instagram, any of those. It was just being emailed from person to person. Somebody found it on the website, but it was true. And the, the woman now, she was a girl back then. The woman now has come out and it, you know, admitted I'm the one that, you know, commented in the newspaper article. And she feels really bad and really dumb now. And, you know, and she's not dumb. She's a very intelligent woman. She really is. Uh, she's done a lot of good in the, uh, in the food safe uh, field now. But when she was younger, on the other hand, she was being interviewed about because she was against killing animals and meat at that point in time in her life. And she said, I don't understand why people don't go to the grocery store and buy the meat there so no animals are harmed. She is. She has since came out, you know, and, and redacted Wait, that comment. But but you're but you're laughing at that. But here's the thing, you know, because I talk to my students all the time, and they're Here it comes. and I tell them how you know I like to hunt, I like to fish, and how I eat squirrel and duck and rabbit and things like. That. You eat all that? I said, where do you think your hamburger comes from? Well, it comes from the supermarket. I said, no, that's cow. What? <laughs> Okay, Troy had a student come to him after class one day, <laughs> <laughs> and she looked at him as serious as she possibly could and said, Mr. Polky, I got a question. Troy's like, what? She goes, is the reason why buffalo can't fly because we keep eat, eating all their wings? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> she was serious as a heart attack. This is, this is a ninth grader. How many wings, how many of those teeny tiny wings do you think a buffalo would need on its body in order to fly? <laughs> no joke. The, the <laughs> other one, need a few. And, and I kid you not, this was a 10th grader. Thought <sighs> that an ice pick was made of ice. Well, we're so disconnected from our Also from our did not and... realize that the sun was a thor, was a star, and that the earth was in our galaxy and in our universe. <sighs> And these are going it's to be great. the kids that save us. These are people that vote now. They're kids that need guidance, but man, we got to really figure out what to what to show them and direct them what they should be looking at, what they should be understanding. Obviously, they're more in tune <laughs> with what's going on on American Idol, America's Got Talent. No, oh, just TikTok. Latest, only let's TikTok look at this now. latest rap video, TikTok. Uh, 
whatever, Snapchat, what's your Snapchat ID? They have no, no clue. There's no clue. Yeah, why you vote? Why you voting for this person? Oh, because they look good. Why'd you vote for Biden? That's the question. <laughs> because he like, but but because he sometimes he's sitting in the pool and the kids will play with his hair. Not even that. <laughs> Wait, you're asking why do certain people vote for Biden? I'm if just you ask any 18, 19, top. 20 year older, and I swear to God, 90% of them will say this because my mom and dad told me to. They have no awareness of the issue. The general public has no awareness of the issue. The general public does not even know that when an addendum comes up in your local community to vote on, that the snippet you are reading is just one little paragraph and possibly a 150-page document that has a whole bunch of other things attached to it. I mean, that's true. I think, but, you know, in the media, I think about the I'm not laughing because, you know, he did get hurt, but, you know, I'm not laughing at that. I'm just laughing at the whole thing of, you know, in, in the media right now, somebody uh, put a little a little video up of Joe Biden riding his 10-speed or whatever it was, and he was doing good. I mean, he was balancing real good. He came to a stop and just all over Wait, the ground. At his went. age, he's riding a bike? Yes. He's already fallen up some stairs going into a plane. Like, I don't know why they put him on a bike and thought that was a good idea. Well, I feel I, I feel sorry for the man. I mean, he he's he's just a puppet. He really is, and he doesn't know it. Is the bad part? He thinks that you know everything, or he, he does reads, know it and doesn't care. Well, and I don't think he knows it. I think uh, Alzheimer's has has really kicked in, and it's it's detrimental to his health. It really is. And you know when he's when the writers write things, when they're told to write things, and they write it down, and they hand it to him, and he reads it off. People need to start realizing the reason why he's, you know, stuttering and tripping over words and adding words in is because he does have Alzheimer's. The the, the man's uh, reading capacity is but getting lower and lower. But and also lower. this, they're, what they're not understanding is that he was put to run because Kamala Harris and Nancy Pelosi were supposed to try to impeach him so that Harris would become the president and Pelosi would become the VP. But that don't, that, that's never going to happen. The Republicans will not let that happen. Yeah, oh, their what? plan went to hell, so now they're just letting Biden fall all over himself. And it's and it's sad to watch, really. I mean, because, I mean, yeah, in his past, there were some bad things, and we're not going to talk about those. But he, he did do a lot of good things. He really did. So, you yeah. know... Everybody's like, well, maybe that Biden's still there. That Biden's long gone. I mean, that that there part of is. his life is long gone, and and it's sad to watch. But well, the other thing that people don't know, will, and, and people forget this: the president is not the king. No. Congress and the Supreme Court can check any decision that the president makes at any time they want. You want things to really change? Put term limits on Congress. Votes on the ones that have been in there forever in a year out, if you want well, to change. Well, folks, everybody out there that uh, doesn't like Nancy Pelosi, we won't we won't have to deal with her much longer because when her term's up, which is in November, I think, if I if I read that correctly, she can't run again. And there is a younger lady who is going to uh, run for her spot, 
that can really make change if they'll let her. That's the key thing. It takes more than just changing one. Because you got to remember with senators, we have two for each state. In the House of Representatives, there's 435 members. So God, I love talking to you. You got to put you got to put term limits on these guys because if term limits aren't put or the same ones keep getting elected, you're not going to get the change that you want. Bottom line, the president's not the king. You can blame the president all you want. What you should be looking at is your Congress. Yep. Just like with the gas prices, I love reading about how, how it's Biden's fault because he shut the pipeline down. No, now, I've, I have said this to my friends. I am going to say this in a public setting, and I want you people to let it sink in and let it sink in hard. Okay. Everybody that had family that worked on the pipeline, you're going to get pissed at me for saying this. I am to the point I don't care anymore because you need to hear it. That pipeline was not to supply any oil from Canada to us. It was to run through the United States to the Gulf of Mexico, be pumped on the cargo ships and sent overseas. We were not going to see any of that. The, nope. can, the, the Canadian company that was building the pipeline had said the minute and the, the jobs pipeline were going to be limited. Right. Well, very limited because the minute that pipeline was built, they were going to fire everybody that worked on the pipeline and bring in their own employees, their, their own structure system. Only, cer- only a certain handful of people would be allowed that were Americans to continue working on that pipeline. We were never going to see any of that oil. We were never going to see any of the cash. So when Biden shut it down, Trump was working to shut it down. When Biden shut it down, it was the best thing to ever happen to the American people because we were about to be used. Now, the pipeline is still being built, but it's Canadian workers. Right. And it's now, overseas workers working on now, here, it. Here's the American the thing, people though. are not being, uh, for a lack of a better term, the American people aren't being raped of their livelihoods. The other thing that Trump was working on, which got some people a little bit angry for whatever the reason, Miffed. was having the United States become independent of using any foreign fuel resources by trying to get to where we were producing more natural gas and producing more ethanol that cars could run on just pure ethanol to where the United States would have been completely self-sufficient. And it wouldn't have taken much to change the offshore platforms to be able to process ethanol rather than petroleum. Correct. Now, here's another thing that Biden did that a lot of people don't know because you only see what CNN says, what Fox says, what CBS says, what the news stations say, because the typical American person, it's not that they're not dumb. They really aren't. They're very intelligent people, but they're, they're just uninformed. Well, they're uninformed and they don't want to take the time to actually look into what's in all, all these documents in one of the, in well, in one of the dockets, rather not the documents, but the dockets that uh, Biden was signing when he was into his 100 days of presidency is all the oil companies in America, all the oil rigs that have been just barely, you know, barely working. He signed permits and gave these people full reign to go ahead and resume drilling. Something that Obama had shut down. Biden 
gave the permits freely and said drill because he was following on what Trump was trying to do with make it, making America independent in the oil industry. Right because now, there's, it's not, yeah, and, and right now it's not the government that's controlling the oil prices. I'm sorry. It's not. It's the companies. Right, because they are refusing to drill. They have free reign. They have per permits signed by the president of the United States that I can drill here, not on private land, not on uh, native lands and stuff like that, like, like what they were trying to do in North and South Dakota, but on, you know, just open lands, uh, state-owned lands, you know, lands like that, government-owned lands. They've been given permission to drill. They're refusing to do it. Oh. And I mean, there, there's an oil company that's based at, at uh, right here out of Idaho Falls. Okay, and we 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 kind of went we kind of went on a huge tangent, so let's get back to. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, you know, I, I know a guy that that runs a uh, an oil right. company in. But I mean, we South we, Dakota. We went from talking about spiritual things and astral projection all the way into politics. So hey, that's fine. Let's, let's try to. Bring it yeah, back I'm, around. I mean, that's fine. We're not arguing. I mean, we we, we all have so, our own views, and yeah, we can still yeah, get along. Know, but we want to give Liz her time. No, I think you you gave me my time. But I also think the reason that we went on that tangent is because there's so much of it that's tying together now. Yeah. You know, we we really are in a major shift. We had uh, so many experiences that we've never collectively had before between oh no there's there's some illness we know nothing about it what are we going to do about it trying to figure that all out together like there's a lot of people like me that you know my, my well, career has is, shifted to something and else i'm gonna and, say this and and people can believe it or not believe it but a lot of the epidemics that have come about that have killed millions of people were released by the governments it was purposely done for population reduction yeah i think if you look at like lyme disease and and some of the things that were some of the court cases and whatever that went on with that it's like well there's probably a lot of steps that were taken with that that shouldn't have been it definitely seems like something that was introduced into the population well, you, through you ticks know, and then it was out of hand that you do know that there's a cure for cancer, right? For all cancers. There's cures for a lot of things. Oh, yeah. There's no profits in cures. It's never been released. There's profits and that's in exactly treatments. why, because no profit. Yeah. Okay, so I got to say this because you brought it up last night, Troy, and I've been pondering it, and I've been doing a little bit of research on it last <laughs> night. Liz, uh, I want to know what your uh, thoughts, feelings, and... Uh, comments and concerns are on this whole Roe versus Wade thing no um so from this the most neutral place that I can put it I do think that the Supreme Court had a bad legal ruling that they've since corrected and they did give that power back to the states now as far as it goes I think that everybody is having a moment of emotion and they will eventually, some probably okay. come back to reason. But do you, but do you know why that the emotion is high on some of those people? Well, because they've been conditioned to it and they haven't. They're uninformed. Like, yeah, it, it, that's really it's it. Like, it's, out, it's, it's hard to change your beliefs. Here's the thing. Oh, okay. Jeez. Roe versus Wade, the reversal, does not inhibit civil rights. 
they're still going to allow abortions in cases where there's a health risk for the mom or the baby, rape cases, extenuating circumstances, things like that. That's always been what the reversal of Roe versus Wade has done is now made people accountable for their actions. That's you not ready for a baby. Problem. Either use protection or abstain. <laughs> I, I think that we have become disconnected from what it means to honor life and to respect your choices because, and, and I'm not judging everyone. I do believe that motherhood should but, be a choice. I also do believe that in a lot of circumstances, abortion is morally wrong. However, that does not mean it's my choice to make okay. for you. But, but right? the whole thing is, yeah, we can have our own moral beliefs. Okay. Right. Let's set all moral beliefs aside. The law of consequences still comes into play. For too long now, there has been no accountability for actions. You make a choice, there is always a consequence. Good choices usually have good consequences. Bad choices usually have bad consequences. If I go and I drink arsenic, what's going to happen to me? She's going to die. Maybe you'll discover a superpower. <laughs> Maybe, <crap>. huh? <laughs> Maybe. With my genetics, it's possible. But... <laughs> You guys eat raw chicken, like arsenic might be no thing. Yeah. But but I mean, but but I mean, the I whole thing is, is that, that that there's a, there's got to be accountability somewhere. I've seen this too much as a teacher when I'm dealing with kids. When I have a parent conference, well, I don't know what to do with him. Well, if you don't, how I'm supposed to? You are the parent. It's your kid. Well, I taught him like that. Okay, then you deal with it. What you going to do when he winds up in jail? The biggest laugh that I ever got, because I've been teaching for almost 30 years now, okay? The biggest laugh I got had to be about 20 years ago. Or one of the biggest laughs. I'm in Golden Meadow watching a parade for Mardi Gras. This 19-year-old young man is walking around slashing tires. Cops get him. They cuff him. He's trying to fight with them. These words actually continuously came out of this young man's mouth. You can't arrest me. I'm special ed. The cops were laughing the whole time they put him in the car. Yep. I, uh, I used to work in, uh, at a college and I have had students that had, um, they're called IEPs, institutional, it's, in, it's basically a plan. evaluation plan. Yes, 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 yes. Thank you. Um, so they do that in the high school here, but it's not really a thing once you get to college. Um, although we do ADA accommodations and that obviously. I mean, you're going to give a student help that needs help. That's common yes, sense. Yes, anytime, anytime a student needs help, they need help. But I would have so many students that came out of high school and they had these plans that basically said they didn't have to do homework. They didn't have to do this stuff. Well, then they would come to a school and they'd want to be in a medical program and not have to do any homework. And I'm like, it does not work that way. With like, medical programs, it does right. not. Like, like you absolutely have to do the work if you want to get credit for the course. Well, not only and, credit for the course, if you want to be able to graduate and know what the heck you're doing. 
right this like you, you were going to be out working on people and stuff and and so you know i'd offer tutoring i'd offer you know whatever it is that they needed like, like let's sit down let's work it out as much help as you need let's make sure that you have it and there was there were a few that took me up on the offer but there were quite a few that were like you know what this just isn't for me well with me as and a that's, teacher, but that's what they've been went, conditioned if to. i went to the school board with me as a teacher if i went to the school board all of a sudden and said well look you know uh I have these disabilities, so I can't show up to work until noon because from noon until dismissal is when I'm going to do my best work. And everything has to be color coded for me. And there may be times where I got to take a break and color in my coloring book because it calms my nerve. What do you think would happen to my child? Right. They're just not going to not going to succeed there. You know, it's and we do have to make room for people and their level of their ability, but also we should be building each other up. Like some people take bigger steps than others. Some people need to take a multitude of smaller steps and that's fine. The thing but, is too many of them are labeled that don't look, need labels. They're, they're told like, this is, this is a reason that you can't do this thing. Oh, and in, instead in ninth of like, grade, your child can't read that's on you and your child. Right. Like if there's point, nothing there mentally basic. wrong with your child and he can function in society and he can't read, that's on you and your child. Period. There's no such thing as specific learning disability. No, that's your child and you were too lazy for that child to learn. Period. Well, nowadays, I mean, you know, back in the 12, 13, 14, 1500s, you know, when there weren't schools for the, you know, the masses or the population. Oh, there's still, there still the were schools, but it was different. Well, it was more for royalty and in the hierarchy and things, but. Well, no, because military was a school. No, I'm talking about in the, the uh, 12 and 1300s. You know, yeah, military was, a, oh, yeah, military okay. was yeah, military. a school. <laughs> but for, okay. Say for you know for the people who didn't join the military or weren't you know back then what the word we use now drafted in the military and they didn't have a, an option. Well, their school was the a school of hard knocks. They worked. <laughs> yeah, their parents taught them. Working on on the farms taught them. Working in the fields taught them. Kids nowadays that they, they just take they take everything for granted. Well, we don't have as much embodied experience. There's so much of our lives that are lived through screens well, or in but it's, very but it's controlled not even, environments. Yeah, and, but it's it's not even that. It, it, it's gotten away from parent accountability. I, and there might be a lot of parents that feel kind of powerless in the face of it just because there is so much pressure to like your kids not going to be successful unless they go to school and you let us teach them the curriculum that that's the media that has and, pushed it yes the bottom, the bottom line is not every kid was meant for academics i'll yeah, give and, you i'll give you an example okay and i'm talking about this happened in the mid 70s to early 80s there was this kid that was in school that the school just labeled them as not being able to learn. By the time he got to high school, they realized he was dyslexic. What the teachers did, they would just send him to the shop class, you know, and just brush him off. Or, you know, he'll never whatever. That kid grew up to be Dale Earnhardt Jr.'s chief mechanic. Mm hmm. 
yeah, the world needs farmers and mechanics and builders. And right now we're still teaching according to the Latin grammar school that was in play, thinking everybody's college driven. And that's not the case. We need more business partnerships. We need to bring apprenticeships back. Real skills need to be learned. Yeah, it was uh, customer service should be a class. Common sense should be a class. Well, and, and there are very specific kind of niche fields. Like I was talking to somebody that has jukeboxes and there is one place in this country where they can get them serviced. And there is one person at this one place that can service some of these particular jukeboxes that he has. And it's oh, not like there's you, not yeah, a demand. You can guarantee that that person is making some money too. Yeah, but he can't keep an apprentice. Like he's getting ready to retire and he can't keep an apprentice long enough to pass on his knowledge because it's and I don't know if it's necessarily an issue with him or if it's just apprenticeships take some time before it really it has to be something that you love doing because it's a very specific task and so you're you're learning to do this stuff well what I mean what I mean by apprenticeships is this okay like at Salafush High School uh the Schwest brothers who own an offshore company North American uh, put in a, a program, a virtual program, where they have a ready-trained workforce coming straight out of high school. Get more businesses of different types to do that, whether it's Walmart, whether it's Best Buy, whether it's um, the freaking restaurant businesses, whatever. Develop business partnerships for those kids that aren't going to college. Yeah, let them get some job skills and people skills and life skills. Like I, I'm, I'm with you. Those partnerships those programs. have to be set up. We're not preparing kids for what's out there right now. We're not. We're not. The way that the school system is set up. Oh, we got to teach them the test. No. Well, what is that going to do for life? Nobody. When's the last time you had somebody in a supermarket ask you? What year did the Peloponnesian Wars happen? It's not going to happen. It's I not. need you to tell me what year, just in case it does, though. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm anxious. <laughs> but no, I mean, you're right. There's, Of course, I think people should have a broad background. And history is important. And I'm assuming you believe that. You don't you really need it. to know the but, exact dates. You need to know the around era. But more importantly, you need to know the why it happened so it doesn't repeat. Yeah. And, you know, you can learn that stuff. Like, I listen to a lot of podcasts, obviously, <sighs> but you can learn from good storytellers that are painting that scene for you rather than sit down and need you to memorize all of these dates because we're going to test on it because it's not like you build any context for what was really happening there and it makes it much harder for you to think for yourself and apply it to today but if somebody tells you a story like there's a reason jesus taught in parables it's because we understand stories we on a very deep level yeah. we can kind of and, pick and out today, you know why today people them. have a hard time understanding his parables why is that? Because they can't relate to what he's talking about. Because when he's using the example of the wheat and the weeds, what a lot of people don't know, farmers would know this. But your average American today won't know this. When it's first growing, you can't tell the difference between the weed and the wheat. 
not until it comes up almost like maybe a half season before harvest, then you can tell and you could weed out the weeds and put it in the burn and then harvest the wheat correctly without harming it. The farmers back then knew that. Knowing the difference between how a sheep reacts and a goat reacts, the farmers back then understood that. People today don't get that. Oh, my gosh. I saw the most amazing video of this guy that was on some open range land. And so there's just cows out there grazing and cows are naturally curious creatures. Anything that's different, they just want to come check it out. You know, of course, they can be dangerous if they're stampeding, but most of the time they're just curious, big, dumb, curious, wonderful animals. And uh, this guy, <laughs> they start walking towards him and he's just screaming. Wah! Ah! And he gets out his bear spray and he's trying to spray the cows ah! and half of it's ah! coming back on him because it's windy. And that cow's just trying to figure out what that guy's problem is. Yeah, but having grown up <laughs> in an agriculture area and my, my grandpa had cows, like I've been around cows my whole life. I'm just watching this guy and I'm like, dude, it's not it's not coming for you. Like, even if you've ever been to a friend's house that had a dog, like they're just acting like a curious and very calm dog would. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> But people, but people don't but, know. But like, okay, well, when we get to the canine level, dogs are a whole lot smarter than what people give them credit for. Yeah, and they, they have their own language, and most of it is with their ears and facial expressions. You have to watch the ears, and the ears will tell you everything about what that canine's thinking or feeling or doing, depending on if the ears are pointed forward, laid back, whatever position it's in. So it's their own language. And a lot of people don't know that. So when, and when we're talking about telling stories, you have to put it in things that are relatable to the people of the time. When I'm talking about history and we talk about the Revolutionary War, kids are seeing it through today's eyes, thinking automatic weapons and stuff. And I'm like, no. And I show them pictures of the type of guns that were used. They're like, what? I said, yeah. I said, in these boat trips we're talking about, how they went back and forth from England to the New World, from France to the New World. This is not, oh, in a couple of hours they were there. You're looking at an eight-month travel time. Imagine eight months on a big wooden sailboat with just other guys. What? Yeah. <laughs> Well, guys, yeah. I, I hate to cut it short, but it's running into dinner time here. So, all right. <laughs> yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, we've been going for about what two hours, two and a half. Yeah, and and no time limits. Imagine that. Yeah. So you're gonna go have some medium rare chicken, cut some <laughs> steak right off the cow. That that is a possibility. And yeah, Danielle will not let him have medium rare chicken. I assure you of that. <laughs> oh, she's a good woman. <laughs> Oh, anyway, so. Uh, <coughs> but it was very nice meeting you, Liz. It was good to meet you, too. That was fun. And uh, we'll see you next time. Find us on the web at www.investigation-cryptoparaology. That's C-R-Y-P-T-O-P-A-R-A-O-L-O-G-Y.com. On Facebook at www.facebook.com forward slash investigation crypto. 
Listen to us on any major podcast players, including Apple Podcasts, Anchor, Amazon Music, Google Podcasts, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, and of course, Spotify. We continue to spread to more podcast players each day. You may contact us by using the contact page on the website or by sending a direct message to our Facebook page or by emailing us directly at investigationcryptoparaology at gmail.com. That is investigation, C-R-Y-P-T-O-P-A-R-A-O-L-O-G-Y at gmail.com. Also, I would like to add this. If you're feeling down on yourself or like you don't matter or there's no hope left, we're here for you. You can contact us through our Facebook page or by emailing us at investigationcryptoparaology at gmail.com. We are happy to listen and possibly help you find a better tomorrow. If you don't want to talk to us, you can contact the Suicide Hotline of the United States. They have a crisis text line if you verbally speaking to someone is not your thing. Text HOME, all capital letters, H-O-M-E, to 741741. If you, don't, if you do want to verbally speak to someone, the National Suicide Prevention Hotline is 1-800-273-8255. And if you are a veteran, you can also call 1-800-273-8255 and then press 1. Well, folks, that's all the time we have for tonight. I sincerely hope you will join us again next time for another spine-tingling, hair-raising experience from the depths of the abyss. If you would like to contact me about an experience you have had or to get on the show, Email me at investigationcryptoparaology at gmail.com. That's investigation, C-R-Y-P-T-O-P-A-R-A-O-L-O-G-Y at gmail.com.